morning with Yogi Roth, Pac-12 analyst. Yogi, we just go for the jugular right off the bat. Newly married, socks picked up, toilet seat down, bed made already. Heck yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I'll tell you what, I never thought I was going to get married, never really worried about it. And then I met this woman after I was at Stanford for spring football practice, decided to stay over an extra night to hang out with Mike Bloomgren, the now head coach at Rice, walked onto a plane, saw this smile that knocked me over and I said, whoa, this is different. And then when I you know, decided like time to propose here, I had a high, high standard for marriage. And I will say this, that it has exceeded my standards. Amy is an OKG on every level and a program changer. So I'm fired up. What's really cool is you're a single guy, bachelor, living down in Venice Beach. You still in Venice? Yeah, we moved uh, across the street. So it, technically Marina Del Rey, but just the other side of the Venice Pier. But uh, yeah, man, it was it was it was good living for solid fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> Single guy, doing covering ball, getting paid to talk ball, living in Venice Beach. That ain't a bad gig, Yogi. It's it wasn't, but I I'll say it, man. Like, you know, I I don't have the like. Oh, it, it was I had it so good. Like, it, and, and it surprises me. You know, like it, it. Marriage is awesome, and I'm only a couple months in. Like, I'm still a rookie, but uh, I, I love it. I love every level of it, man. So I'm really happy that I, I chose right. All right. Let Let me ask you one more tough one for those of us who come down to LA once in a while. If we're going down to Venice Marina Del Rey, where are you going to send us for a burger, burger and a beer? That's a great question. Um, I would probably say on the beach. There's a new spot that's opened up on the beach in Venice Beach. I think it's called like the Beach House or something like that. Like it's pretty easy. It's right off of Rose Avenue, re revamped. It's pretty epic. Like I would send you to like Larry's, like get grimy right near like, right in the heart of Venice. But if you go a little north, um, you're gonna have a good time. So I'd go there, bunch of TVs, bunch of games, really good food, healthy too. So if you want like an SIE bowl or a wrap or a burger, you can go down any road you want. I'm telling you, Yogi, you guys have traveled all these away games. You, you need to give restaurant suggestions for the road road dogs and those who travel in the Pac-12. You have a go-to place in every city. I know you do. I do. And I've got to go to a yoga spot in every city, too. So <laughs> I can get a good meal, get a good workout in. That sounds like a podcast in the making. Hey, Yogi, uh, Jay Kaner left the program. I know you were a big fan of Jay Kaner. We're starting to see this more and more in college football. Jacob Eason named the starting quarterback. Just your thought when you heard that Jacob Eason had left the program. I was bummed. I was talking to Mike Yam, gearing up for you know, our first shows at Arizona State tonight. And he goes, he texted me right after we hung up. He goes, Hayner's gone. I was like, what? I, I had just been there. And I talked to his mom and obviously know the young man. I've known him for a long time. It shocked me. Uh, and I called him immediately. And I wished I talked to him before he made his decision, to be honest with you. Um, not that it would have swayed it, but maybe for me, it would have given me peace of mind. Because I, I thought it was it was premature. Um, you look at the national championship game. You know, the team who won the national title two of the last three years have done it without the guy who started the season. You know, so... And he was going to play, and he was playing well. So I didn't feel as though, you know, he was just written off and you're just going to be a backup. Like, I felt as though, like, he had a role on this team. And we know how college football is, man. And and he's still young. You know, there's a world where Jacob Eason goes to the NFL this year because he throws for 3,500 yards and, you know, the dogs go to the CFP. Like, that's not an unrealistic thought. So I was I was bummed by that, to be honest with you. Um also, just for him as a man, and I've told him this, you know, 
trying to go somewhere right now, it's really hard on other programs. You know, I've talked to coaches and to bring in a quarterback who's got a couple years of eligibility left week one, it's going to throw off the, the psyche of your quarterback room. I, I don't care what quarterback room that is, even if it, unless it's all seniors. Similar um, to what happened when Jacob Eason showed up at Washington. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just think that it's it's tough for coaches to try to take it on right now. You know, the Eason thing, like, he kind of knew it was happening. You know, like, at least he felt it was happening. But this one kind of came out of nowhere. And then I add on to that, if you want to go to a place – Let's just say, and I might be off right now. I haven't seen if it's official, but he may go to Fresno State uh, is a rumor. Um, there's a world where Jeff Tedford goes another 10, 11, 12 one season and isn't there. So I, I wish that he either went to JC right now to evaluate it or didn't go at all and played this thing out. And, and I felt as though he had every right to react the way that he did because he's his own man and he wanted to play and he felt like he won the job. But it clearly felt, to me at least, like a pretty rash decision. And and I felt you know, it was unfortunate for me to see that happen because I know what UW is and what Coach Peterson is and, you know, everything about that program. So And I know he's bummed and it broke his heart, but overall, UW moves on and they've got a starting quarterback. And I thought Chris Peterson nailed it in his press conference when he's like, can we talk about the starter? You know, and I, I kind of chuckled when he said it because he's right. You know, they've got one of the best quarterbacks you could argue at least coming out of high school in the country, a kid who I've known for a while and Easton who can make every throw. They're going to call the game to, to dictate plays that go towards his strengths. And he's going to thrive, man. I mean, he's going to ball out this year and he should. And I think the expectations are warranted for him being one of the better quarterbacks in the, on the West coast, at least. Tell me your feeling about these quarterbacks, not just, you know, with Jay Kaner, but Jack Sears leaving USC, which is a little bit different situation, but, uh, you're seeing quarterback movement. I think the number was 67 quarterbacks were in the transfer portal this year. And, uh, boy, it just seems like the quarterbacks don't win a job. It's um, I don't know if I want to say it's the easy way out, but it's definitely a lot more uh, of an option than it was a couple of years ago. It's really kind of amazing, huh? I mean, you're right. It, it's just, it's the world that we're in. And and that's OK. Like, I think that's just. That's just a reality for, for where we are. But I have a theory, and I'm going to talk about it on the game Saturday. We, we went through, and we'll put a graphic up, I think, of all the quarterback rooms of scholarship quarterbacks in the conference. And there's, a, there's an argument that three quarterbacks is the perfect number. And, and I, I agree with that. And that's clearly where UW has landed. You know, you look at the last few months from two guys in the portal in spring to only one leaving to where we are now. You reference Jack. Uh, Sears at SC and, and around the country. I think when you have three in the room, it allows the room to breathe a little bit. You know, just everybody feels as though they, they kind of got a chance. And I think we've seen rooms that have five and it gets really stuffy, right? You, clearly that that's what happened to UW. And, and competition, you, you know, is going to eliminate some of the people in the room. So I, I think, you know, revisionist history would say right now, when we look at all the transfers and all the depth charts, and what the reality is of this era of transferring at that position, I think three is kind of the number you want to have. And, you know, teetering on four, you know, when you got a senior, you know, if you had a guy, you know, come in as a freshman who, you know, your senior is going to play there. I understand that element of it, but I, I get it. It's part of it. The reality is, though, that a lot of these guys are entering the portal. There isn't a home for them. You know, there's not enough teams to play at. And I always felt that the unintended consequence of this 
portal and, and really just the, uh, a more transparent way to transfer because I think the portal in and of itself is great for kids. But the unfortunate thing is that everybody doesn't want them and everybody doesn't think, you know, the athletes as talented as the athlete thinks and everybody doesn't have all the scholarships to give out. And we've seen that with guys who enter and there's nowhere to go or the places that there that you can go are not nearly what they thought were going to happen. So it's, it's reality. It's today's day and age, man, but it is, uh, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love how, how easy guys can, can bail in that regard of when they've got more years to play, when they, there is a bright light for them at the end of the tunnel, I think for guys to play, but that, that's where we are and we'll, we'll deal with it. You know? Yeah, I was talking to Chris Peterson down at uh, Media Days down in L.A., and he talked about having a conversation with Mike Hopkins, the basketball coach up here. And, you know, Mike was talking to him, you know, a little while ago about, you know, hey, we got AAU basketball, heavy parent involvement. And he told, uh, you know, uh, Chris that you guys are just basically five to seven years behind us. And now we're seeing the advent of seven on seven. You're around a lot of the stuff, the Elite 11 and stuff. Do you think that the parent involvement has really escalated and that has anything to do with this uh, i think it always has i mean i can go back to when i was playing parents are always involved uh, i i think the the bigger thing and, and I, I i see it in la dramatically um guys come in with so much hype now you know and their reality when they leave high school is one where they're the dude and their reality when they enter college is usually not and when those conflict it's really hard and it's really hard when you live or you grew up in the area where you went to college. So I see it at SC or UCLA all the time where local prospects who were four or five star rock stars coming out, Mr. Everything, give me the ball. I just make plays and then struggle in college, which is fair. Everybody does. I mean, how many guys have we seen come in and just thrive off the bat? And very rarely in college football does that happen. And I think that conflict is something that, needs to be addressed more often uh, because the, re the parents reality is what they left their child with, which was who they were in high school. You know, they're not necessarily in meetings. They don't necessarily hear the truth all the time. And when they do, um, some of them deal with it brilliantly. Some of them deal with it, you know, through their own lens. And I think that's the challenge. And I think that makes it hard. And I think it's hard on coaches in terms of, do you want to coach kids hard? You know, do you want to coach them so they can, persevere and grow through things or do you want to coach them so they don't leave i think that's a real conversation in a lot of schools that especially schools that aren't crushing and recruiting you know, especially schools that get a steal every once in a while like let's just look at the mid-tier schools in the pac-12 i think there's a reality there of man we, we got this dude it's a steal but he doesn't feel like he's getting loved up enough he's gonna leave well what do we do do we push him through this and does he trust us to do it and does his community support that or do we have to go down the other road, which is, you know, I don't want to say being soft because I hate that phrase, but of just being more, you know, lighter in the way we're going to teach him to deal with hard things in life. And that doesn't benefit anybody. And I really think college and college football specifically allows you to deal with adversity that is going to hit you in the face in real life in a bunch of different ways. And we're eliminating some of that opportunity to deal with that adversity. And, and kids are going to get hit with it no matter what. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think they're going to lack some of the experience that they had a couple years ago. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. 
Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Before I um, ask you about what's going on up at Washington, you're going to be up here this weekend, of course, but uh, tell people what's going on down at USC. You live down there. I mean, to us up here, it just seems like they just can't get out of their own way. Yeah, you know, it's it's such an interesting topic, and I appreciate you asking it. When when the I get it. When the public outside of that footprint looks at SC, you hear about the academic scandal. You hear about issues they have administratively. You know, the business school getting rid of you know the dean of the business school. Uh, obviously, everything that went on. Um, you know, with the with the med- medical elements down there, like all things that are fair and warrant dramatic change and the criticism. And, and I, I agree with that. Uh, when you look at football and last year's season and last year's record, it also warranted criticism. And it got it from the AD. And I can remember, and I'm sure fans will remember the letter that Lynn Swan sent out. And fundamentally, it came down to, we need to change our culture. We need to change uh, our scheme. We need to change our staff. And we need to change our personnel. And when you look at from spring football to now, and really prior to spring, all those things happened. And I've been there over a dozen times, did their spring game, was at a bunch of practices, been there a bunch in camp, just talked to the team last week, you know, around that program a lot. And anyone in there would say culture has totally flipped, totally flipped. Uh, personnel, if you were a bad egg, you're not on the roster anymore. Staff, half the staff's brand new, specifically Graham Harrell on the offensive coordinator side. And scheme, you have the air raid, which is seismic in its shift in my eyes. And then defensively, it gets no love, but they cut out half the playbook. So you're going to see guys playing faster on both sides of the ball. And probably most importantly, the biggest thing that happened in that program was that this new staff reminded the players, like, hey, you're USC. And when people think about you, like, it's a big deal. So you need to regain some, quote, unquote, excitement around practice, around this craft. And I saw some of the most exciting practices and athletes every day when they came out to the practice field. So I think you're going to see a totally different team than you did a year ago. How resilient they are in road tough games, I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out early, right, Um, you know, when they kind of get going. Obviously, they've got a a brutal schedule, you know, when you look at going to BYU. And you know what that's about on the road uh, in week three. And then at UW two weeks later and at at Notre Dame two weeks after that. So – We'll find about about the resiliency factor, but I think culturally, I think that program is as healthy as it's been in a really long time. So they're they're a sleeper for me to win the Pac-12 South based on that. You take a look at your schedule that they set up for you, and you get to come up to Washington Week One via. You're down at ASU right now, but uh, you get to come up into Seattle. Tell people a little bit about your thoughts on this program. Could you have played for Chris Peterson? And in your eyes, what's going on up here? You know, we always play these games when we're on the road and at these you know, eateries and hanging out of like rank the coaches. 
where would you want to play? If you could do college all over again, how would you do it? And I would love to play for a lot of guys in this conference. And Chris Peterson, he and David Shaw are right at the top, you know, just because of, you know, and I, I'm older now and I'm not 18, but when I talk to the 18 year olds and the parents of those kids and why they go there, it's impressive. And he reminds me a lot of Coach Carroll. I think the culture they have there reminds me a lot of what is going on at Clemson. You know, Clemson has had two decommits that, you know, on signing day in the last five years. I feel like UW's right around the same, right? I think Marlon Tuipelotu's one, and I can't think of the other one, if there was one. Point being, guys know what they're signing up for. It's really clear, and they do. And and they stay committed to it. So I love, I love this program. I love everything Chris is about. I would send my son there in a heartbeat. I would send myself there if I could go play again and had the opportunity to. And and I love talking about his program, you know, from built for life stuff off the field, how they develop ballers on the field. I mean, I don't think there's a hole to poke in this program's armor. I really don't, you know. We can all say we want them to win a bowl game or, you know, a non-con game, Auburn, Penn State, Ohio State. Of course, we would all, they would say that too. Uh, so I, I just think it's it's built for excellence and – and they've been that, right? They've been at least the last three years, you know, they've been the class of this conference. And I think that's fair to say it's theirs until they give it up. Before I let you go, Yogi, give me a couple things that you're going to be focusing on on Saturday up here looking at Eastern, who's nationally ranked in their division as well. You know, what are some key points? What are you going to be looking at at this game up here this weekend? Oh, there's, there's a ton. You know, I'm cleaning up my final game documents right now. And this is a team in Eastern Washington that, you know, I've never heard of this, having two 60-year senior offensive linemen and three 50-year seniors. I mean, they have an O-line that's played a lot, and they're not small. I mean, this is a program, and you know it because you're up there, but they're built. Their, their offensive line tradition is like, it is real. It's like U, uh, Utah's defensive fronts tradition, right, even for their level of football. They're, they're talented there. They're quarterbacks. Man, if it's this era of football, his name is Eric Barrier. If it's right now, he's not getting to Eastern Washington because there's an acceptance to quarterbacks that are shorter than six feet tall. This dude can do everything. I mean, he really can move. He's one of the best athletes they're going to face all season long at the quarterback position. Uh, and they're going to try to move the ball. And they'll try to do a lot of creative things with it. So, of course, I want to see that against nine new starters, really t- ten new starters based on Benning not being with the starting lineup, when you talk about returners from a year ago, I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to watch Brandon Wellington. I can't wait to watch some of the young guys play. I can't wait to watch Kyler Gordon, man, one of the greatest athletes you could argue in the last 10 years in the Pac-12, at least athletically. We'll see what he does on the field when he gets out there. So I'm pumped for that, and Cam Williams as well. And then on the flip side, I want to see 26. I've talked to you about him, I feel like, forever in Savan Ahmed. I can't wait to watch this dude get 15, 20, 25 touches. I just think he is that type of dude. Um, and then, of course, Eason in operating, you know, this offense. And, and the receivers, it, it, Puka, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't know where he fits. I was at the scrimmage and saw him running around making plays. But I'm pumped to watch him and, and of course, Chico in his full-on return. So, yeah, there's, there's storylines that Ted Robinson and I will be able to fill up for a while. Temperature expected to be in the 80s. Mount Rainier will be in full view. You will see water skiers out in uh, out in the bay out there. And not exactly football weather, but pretty good for the first game of the year, Yogi. Bring the shorts. 
Yeah, they'll, they'll be packed. I'll, I'll be on a uh, 5.30 flight tomorrow morning from uh, Phoenix, get there for coaches' meetings and practice. And and it's a noon kick, man, 12.01 kickoff. How fun is I, that? I swear, the flights from Phoenix, you're either getting in stupid o'clock early or stupid o'clock late. There's nothing decent coming out of Phoenix direct to Seattle. So, totally. and, and, hey, Yogi, thanks for taking a moment, and I uh, look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Always, man. Later, bro. 